We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X, and today I'm here with my favorite co-host, Marsha. Well done. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens. I'm the director of marketing for Pioneer X. Today, our guests are Jack Guinan. He's the president of Transact RX, and then we also are joined by Andrea Surratt, executive VP of Transact RX. Welcome to the Catalyst right. Pharmacy Podcast, Jack yeah. and Andrea. So let's start off inter- introductions. So, um, Jack, you're the president of Transact RX. So tell us about you. How did you get started in, in the pharmacy industry? So back in 1992, way back when, I was an early e-prescribing guy. So I had a, a owned and operated technology companies since the, the 80s. In 1992, a partner said, I have the next big thing. And it wasn't called e-prescribing then. He owned a pharmacy, so we need to get the doctors connected. So we actually started up an e-prescribing company in 1992, way before SureScripts, before RX Hub. And okay. I ended up, we ended up selling that company to a pharmacy that was growing. We took that public and we turned that into a chain of 25 pharmacies around the state of Florida that were all connected, all using e-prescribing from around 2,000 physicians around the state of Florida <laughs> into this chain. We opened a mail order facility that was doing about 2,000 fills a day out to the, the patients. And we added on a home infusion company because there was, uh, you know, we were not busy enough and started a PBM. And so back in the 90s, this is what I did. And then that company started buying up other transaction companies. Um, that was called Proximit at the time. It was okay. a, a public company. And we became the second largest healthcare transaction company behind what was called MDON at the at the time. Okay. And I've stayed involved in the transaction space and in and around the, the pharmacy part of this uh, since then. So it's been a few years. So that became MDON? That, that technology rolled into MDON? No, no. We competed with MDON okay. back at the, okay. at the time. Although much later... Change Healthcare did buy that company, oh. and so now it is actually rolled into and part, okay. of, and and part of the platform still being used by Change Healthcare on the medical claims clearinghouse side. We sold the e-prescribing part of the company to SureScripts, okay. after SureScripts came into, into being uh, a few years after that, and uh, that company is no longer around. Okay. Cool. Wow. So I- how did that take you into the medical bill? No, right. How did that transition into- Transact RX. Oh, so then after I left that company, I was doing consulting um, for a while, and I was working with a private equity group that was investing in a in a company that had uh, w- was one of the largest drug repackagers uh, in the country. Okay. Had a okay. physician dispensing part of the business, which was the smaller part of the repackaging, but one of the larger ones, which is where Andrea comes into the uh, to the picture dun, because dun, she was dun. she was working with them. That was called Dispensing Solutions um, Inc. 
and then they decided to spin out the technology part of that drug repackager, which started as the physician dispensing okay. um, system, um, which there were a few thousand physician offices doing the dispensing on this, this system back then and doing full order and getting all their drugs from this, this repackager. And then Part D came into to being. They decided to move Part D vaccines to the, well, the Medicare to move vaccines to Part D. And Andrea was working with that physician dispensing company and her husband. Um, and Andrea had the uh, idea of helping these uh, pharma companies. It was Merck. They came out with Zostavax and they couldn't sell it to the physicians because they didn't have a way to bill for it. And so um, decided to add in the physician to pharmacy billing into that company. And then when we built the platform out, we built it to go both ways, helping physicians get paid for pharmacy benefits, pharmacies to get paid for medical benefits. And so in, that was in 2008. In 2010, when retail pharmacies started to be able in general to provide vac administer vaccines to patients around the country for flu shots, that's when we started in earnest using the pharmacy um, to medical benefits uh, part of our transaction platform. All right. And I think he's already started your introduction. All right. So, Andrea, Andrew, do so. the same thing. So, my turn? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jack started in the early 90s. I'm a little older. I started in the late 80s. <laughs> but okay. was actually on the uh, finance side of healthcare in the hospital industry and worked with a lot of uh, nonprofit hospitals okay. uh, here in Arizona and then eventually went to developing rehab hospitals um, nationally. That company that I worked for was acquired a couple of times. Um, I was the CFO uh, finally with that with that company. And uh, we had uh, we had built eight hospitals in the United States and then we acquired several others. Um, and then that company was eventually bought by HealthSouth. Um, I left at that time and started my consulting company. And uh, the pharmacist in charge of some of the hospitals uh, was actually also here in Arizona, contacted me and said, hey, I know you work with a lot of physicians. Um, do you think you would uh, be interested in this repackaging program with physicians dispensing in their office? I didn't particularly want to get involved with that, but my husband can sell a glass eyeball to a snake. And so he <laughs> thought that would be a great thing to do and started. And we actually was one of the larger what what they called management companies at that time, okay. uh, putting physician dispensing into physicians offices. We had physicians all across the United States with our highest concentration in California. And that's how I met dispensing solutions. We eventually moved our business for purchasing repackaged medications to dispensing solutions. I was still consulting primarily on revenue cycle management side, still in a, a lot with the hospitals, with, with a lot of uh, startup and development companies okay. in every ancillary service you can possibly imagine. Worked with a lot of physicians in developing their, uh, expanding their practices, developing surgery centers and that type of thing. 
Uh, but Dispensing Solutions hired me to help them expand their physician dispensing, particularly as it relates to the regulatory side in different states. Okay. And that's at that time is when NCPDP had contacted us and said, hey, we know what you're doing in the physician arena. We know we were at the, at the time expanding adjudication and wanted to know if we could do something along that line with the Medicare Part D. Because when Congress passed Medicare Part D, they put preventive vaccines under that benefit, but they failed to understand that physicians do not have the capability of, of contracting, or they, they have the capability, but they were not contracted with PBMs. The right. PBMs mm-hmm. did not want to contract with thousands of physicians. Yep. Yep. And uh, physicians do not have the technology. Uh, practice management systems and physicians' offices cannot process pharmacy claims. I had coincidentally had developed a a statewide rehab network. And so I basically took that same model and applied it to the networking and contracting aspects of pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And we developed a network of physicians contracted with um, the different PBMs. It was basically a collective uh, process in developing the model. We worked with CMS, NCPDP, AMA, a bunch of other stakeholders, a number of the major PBMs, and came up with basically what we have today is the Transact Medicare Part D program. So one thing led to another. I was working with Dispensing Solutions. As Jack said, we spun that off into a new company. And here we are today working with pharmacies, physicians, uh, a number of different ancillary providers, health departments, all around the pharmacy uh, area in helping them get their claims processed and paid. Mm-hmm. So a lawyer and an accountant have a company. Sounds like the beginning of a joke. You know, like, <laughs> Sounds like the beginning of a walk into a bar. Arizona and Miami. And out walks a company. Yeah. Like fire and ice. Yeah. Right. So, so you guys get along. How's it, how's it been running the company over the years? Y'all like total sync. Y'all have a lot of, Hey, we really, we really fight well, it out. On, we figure out how to make on. it better. So, what am I hanging for? Um, so <laughs> a little more clarification here. So Jack, you're in Florida. Andrew, you're in yep. Arizona? Arizona. Yep. See fire and ice. I get, I get the, that that's actually fire and fire. No, like Miami, Miami. I, I think of ice. I think of diamonds. I think of the water. I think of, you know, kind of flashy kind of town. Arizona, I think about heat and and, okay. and red rocks, and so that's my fire and ice. Yeah, I, I, okay. So They're gonna name the episode "Fire he, and Ice." You just wait. So he's <laughs> going more that. like, um, like rapper style with the ice piece, I yeah, guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Jack's got a gold chain under there. I know it. <laughs> no, I retired that in the eighties. <laughs> They're coming back. A- I know. My wife bought my. He didn't watch this by then. Bought, bought my son a necklace for his birthday. Um, I'm like, is that coming back? I had a necklace. On. Okay, so we drift. For this, How yes, do y'all we, tell uh, us about the, the run in the company and the dynamics of uh, you two guys well, coming together? And, and Well, so when the company started in 2008, it was actually based out in California. That was where okay. Dispensing Solutions, the company we spun out of, um, was uh, out near Newport Beach, California. And um, then Andrea lived in Phoenix at the time. I was living in Miami. We were going back and forth, which was much shorter for Andrea to go back and forth than than myself. 
Um, so then we moved the the company, I guess, Andrea, in 2009. It was about a year afterwards. Y'all are like bleeding edge companies moving out of California. Yeah, right, I, think we, I think we moved into the new office over here in 2010. 2010. In 2010, yes. Yeah. So then Andrea was had always been taking care of the customers, all aspects, contracting, the payers, governments, okay. the the doctors, wow. all of the all of the customer facing services was her part to run. And then I was taking care of the corporate side and the technology side of the of the business. And so we moved the customer care services, we call it, to Phoenix, where she was. Okay. And we moved the, the corporate office and the, the technology group to Miami, where I lived. And we've been running it this way since 2010. Um, and it's worked out very well. Um, maybe, you know, because we're not stuck in the same office every day, we, you know, we get along great and, uh, very few, uh, you know, arguments over anything. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So we should learn from them. I, I think so. So I'll go live in New York. <laughs> you go, you, yeah. or no, no, we just I'll, live I'll, different no, places. No, no, I'll, I'll move to Savannah with Mackenzie. Okay. And you stay here. And then why why can... do I have to stay here? I <laughs> want to go and you stay. Because your kids are here. My kids going to Savannah. Your other kids staying. He'll be he'll he'll be there someday. All right. So and, and this pretty pretty light company, right? So it's not like you have a thousand employees. No, no. We yeah, we're we're a small company and we always have been. And so we have sixteen employees at, at Transactor X. At one point we had had more, but right now we have sixteen. So from the very beginning. And I've been a proponent of virtualization back from when they coined the, the term. So when we started TransactRx in 2008, it was very early on, but we adopted working in the cloud. And so it was a little bit of leap of faith, but yep. we started and built all the technology for the company in AWS when no one knew what AWS you know was from okay. Amazon. And so we never had to build up a large uh, IT group and support group because AWS took care yep. of it. And our developers work remotely uh, from home pretty much um, from, the, from the beginning. Um, and so the customer group um, out in Phoenix, they like working together. So nice. you know, we, we gave the option actually of them working uh, from home, um, but they decided, Andrew right, they wanted to work in the office. Uh, yeah, we have together. we have a, a few employees that work um, part time at home, but collectively, uh, we think that it's important for us to be together. Uh, it, you know, it's always the eighty twenty rule. Eighty percent of our our calls into the customer care is I forgot my password. Uh, easy peasy to take care of, but when uh, the more complicated questions come up, it just works well for us because we are small to kind of brainstorm together, figure yep. out a solution if there if it is something that requires that. And just having uh, some socialization together yep. so mm -hmm. everyone's not so isolated. Yeah, I think you could imagine hiring a customer support person and going, do you like to be around other people? Right? And if they said, no, I like to work at home. Yeah, you're probably yeah. not what we're looking for right. for, for customer yeah. service, right? I think it's great that people, that your customer support people want to be other other people yeah yeah and i would say well one thing i think is important for us here in arizona and well and the same in, in miami office we've we've all worked together now together since 2010 
Wow. Uh, except for one employee, and she's been here six years. But everyone else has been here since we moved the offices to, we hired them when we moved the offices from California to here. Uh, we actually had two employees leave and come back. Mm. Um, so I think that says a lot about our culture. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we're, we're small, but we're a small family. I remember when we were small. Insert sigh here. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that's negative. No, I wasn't no, being negative. I just I no, remember it's, it's just every oh no. every stage. You're like no, every stage of your kids, like, uh, right? Every stage of kids, yes. is like, you enjoy it for its own reasons, right? Mm-hmm. You like it. No, and so I, you could say, "Hey, I remember when they were five. You you can say that. I I can enjoy them when. So I just there was so a your, your there was there was a thing remembering to, en- to enjoy. It's not yeah, like think, yeah, right. Okay. Where it was that kind of deal. Everybody had been here for a while. And, mm-hmm. Okay. Now now I gotcha. You could have a potluck and. Yeah, we used feel to, like nobody poisoned let poison you. You know, at at Prox at Proximed, that's uh, the the company I was I was with, and uh, and we grew. We actually had four hundred employees when yeah. I left there. It was a public company, four hundred employees. I liked the sixteen small size much better mm-hmm. than the uh, than the four hundred. Yeah, public, there's pros uh, companies. In, in the four hundred. You have to find your small company. Yeah. you know, you have to yes. find your small yeah. company in there. Your, your people who are your people. Um, kind of thing, which which makes it sad because you can't. You want to be people with all four hundred, you know, and and yeah. you, and you want to have that. It's kind of like um, you know, uh, like churches. You know, there's things fun about big church, but you got to find your people, and then you got to find your small small group within your no. But your big I group. I agree with with your size. You know, remembering a day when we were twenty and going, oh wow, we were so close knit, and now we're. 300 and it's like i just a smaller close-knit though yeah it's a smaller close and, and, now. and within that there are people who are close-knit mm-hmm. and you look at them you go as an outsider you know i'm not in your little your little group there. <laughs> but okay but I, I get it yeah you know one of the things that that we learned about you guys early on was how great the technology was that was one of the good things that you know is is, is we looked at hey bringing you guys into the the red cell group um, really excited about the technology and where that could go and how that could integrate in with the other systems easily. Um, so Andrew, how long have you been in Arizona? Oh my goodness. Since the early eighties. Okay. A long time. And originally from Philadelphia area. Okay. And you have, uh, I believe you mentioned children when you were here in the office, you have kids. Yes. Yes, how we many? Have three. We're, we are a blended family. Um, I would say that we are um, a successful blended family. We all get along very well. Um, have a son, uh, and they're all adults, um, a son and two two daughters. Okay, and what and are the ages? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the youngest is going to be 29 um, in a month or two. Um, the next one is 32, and the next one after that is 37. Did, All right. did they hang around Phoenix? Did they like disperse? Every well, yeah. So um, the oldest one came and or was here for the longest time left, and now he's back. And okay. he and his wife um, live in Central Phoenix, have one grandson. Um, the middle daughter, she will never leave Arizona, um, and she's married, no children. And the youngest one is a captain in the Air Force, and she's currently based outside of Las Vegas. Nice. Does the no children want children? She does not want to have children. She has fur babies. Fur babies. Fur right. babies. Seeing that a lot more these days. Lots of fur babies. Yes. I have real babies, and I have fur babies. 
<laughs> and sometimes the fur babies. Lots of both. I have a lots of both. Fur babies sometimes are better than the kids, you know, just saying. Uh, sometimes. Other times it's like, okay, just, it's easier just to go great outside. I don't want to see you for the next hour. Just go outside. Um, okay, Jack, you're in Florida, but you said you were originally in San Diego or, or California? Well, no, actually, I grew up in uh, New Jersey. Okay. So I grew up in, uh, in Central Jersey, actually very close to where Andrea's from, on the other side of the river, in the okay. uh, Trenton-Princeton area. So um, we started off in the in the same place. I came down to Miami in 78 to go to the University of Miami. Okay. So I've been down here uh, a long time. Wow. Um, Seen a lot of change like in a Miami, lot. I'm sure. Oh, a lot of change. In that a time frame. Change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also at the University of Miami. So I went undergrad there. And then later I went back and uh, went to law school as well at the University of Miami. So I've been been down here and I, I met my wife and um, she's Cuban American and has a huge Cuban family. So I'm part of this whole Miami, uh, you know, Cuban American uh, yep. lifestyle uh, here. And um, he's got his I own little modern kids. family. Yeah, I have. Uh, yes, exactly. Mark I and I—he's uh, giving me grief because I've started watching Modern Family. Her husband watches it all day, and, and we've been yeah. binge watching on the plane. Yes, and I, I, I and and you—you yes. you guys have kids. So yes, uh, uh, two kids. Um, my son is thirty, and okay. my daughter is twenty-eight and a half, and uh, he's still here in Miami. And um, is uh, has a lot of ties here. He'll probably stay here. He's in the music business down here, oh. and uh, he's a rapper. So this is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yet no, he he's retired stayed. because so his gold chain wasn't retired; it went to his son. Oh, uh, he passed it on. Yeah, you you, you passed it on. <laughs> yes, yes. And so um, uh, he's here, and my daughter is in Orlando. Um, uh, it's here in Florida. Not too far by, away. A couple but, hours. Yeah. yeah. What does she and, do in uh, Orlando? Yeah. Uh, she works for us, so um, she's been working for Transact Direct for um, for a number of years um, now, and uh, we'll see where she goes. Um, Is that the here. same? Y'all could work together as long as you weren't in the same office. Yeah, it, it's much better. She was working out of the Miami office here before she moved up to uh, Orlando. Orlando, but it's um, it was much easier for me to turn into dad rather than uh, boss when she mm -hmm. was uh, here in the office. And so she'll, she probably likes it much better. Yeah, that's a small <laughs> ratio. You know, I, my daughter works here, but we have more employees. So there's a couple of layers from, from yeah, her to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She's a programmer. She said that I treated her much more, I don't know, partially than anyone else here. I didn't, I don't think I did, but. Uh, I, I could see so. that. I've, I've been in that scenario. <laughs> I have been in that scenario. Uh, I worked for my dad while I was in college um, doing the invoicing and helping with the accounts payable and receivable. Um, and yeah, there's just times where it was like if if somebody did not do their job right, it trickled down to uh, the child. So that worked in the <laughs> yeah. office. It was just well. easier because the things that you want to say that you should not say to an employee, it's easier to say to your kid, I guess. I don't know. Right. Exactly. So I do treat you like I a don't daughter. Th I don't you think do. I did. <laughs> there are times that, yes, you do. And then I have to kick you back. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> so, all right. So we're going to have a business commercial break. Just give me a minute. Business, back to the business business. Let me, give me a minute. <laughs> so Transact Today primarily um, – a vaccine biller, 
on the pharmacy side, right? So helping pharmacies build their vaccines to the medical side. So where are we going? Where are we going from there? So um, we actually used to provide a, a full set of, of medical billing service for pharmacies. And that part of our business was larger than it is, it is right now. Um, but just for business purposes, without getting mostly, you know, we were a small private company and it all had to do with, uh, with profit um, margin. And so the um, uh, billing for immunizations in pharmacies, there's uh, just a higher profit margin than the other, other services. They're much Fair. more complex. It takes a lot more labor to, to bill for. So that's how we ended up there. But um, we, uh, I was very excited. I, I actually, we got involved um, with Red Sale because I've known Mike McManus for I don't know how long. Everybody knows years Mike. Or, you know, for 20-something uh, years and was talking to Red Sale about partnering and becoming a distribution partner for the, um, for the service. And we started mm -hmm. talking about the roadmap of the services and starting with immunizations that, that turned into the conversation went so well. Now we're, you know, sister companies inside of, uh, we of, of Red Sale. <laughs> yes. Everybody, so. everybody knows Mike McManus. It's, it's almost becoming like that. Everybody knows Dave joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So where are we going? So, so, um, the, the way to get the service launched quicker and become more integrated in with, uh, Red Sail and with mm -hmm. Pioneer and, and QS1 was to continue offering what we were already doing yep. and getting that rolled out. Um, we are adding back in over the next, I'll say six months to at the, the longest nine months of all of the other, um, medical benefit covered services, um, back the DME supplies, the nebulizer inhaler drugs, part B covered drugs, and then general mm -hmm. HME DME, um, services. There's a big change going on in the DME billing medical billing world that has to do without getting too technical and business wise has to do with attachments. Medical billing has always been a big hassle when it has to do with submitting attachments to other information to claims. In the mm -hmm. pharmacy world, you send a real-time claim, you get a response back, it's all electronic. Not so much in the medical billing world. There's still a lot of paper involved. The government finally right. is moving in the right direction and getting rid of a bunch of this paper and changing a bunch of the billing methods that has to do with DME as of January 1st. So okay. we're lining up the services not to have to make a big switch right when we first get started. So right after the first of the year, we'll be adding back in at least DME supplies. So we'll probably be doing DME supplies, the nebulizer inhaler and drugs and Part B covered um, drugs in January and then quickly moving on and, and back into the full set of other HME DME services within the, within the first part of the year. Will that mean a lot of new employees? Uh, a lot, no. Um, the it will. Uh, what it takes is more claims management, right? So when you start adding on some of these other categories, the the medical billing um, side of the billing world, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the payers don't just pay claims the way they're supposed to pay them. So it, you have to follow up a lot more with, with these. And another reason we were doing immunizations were much simpler um, with that. 
And so as you start getting into these other categories, it just takes more claims management. So a lot more no, but we will be adding on more staff in the customer care group and primarily around following up with the, the claims and the payers. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that Andrea's team does great and we feel much better than the other folks is making sure that claims get paid and following up with the proactively following up with payers when things get rejected why fixing things resubmitting following up on denials so we will be adding in uh, more staff how many more we'll we'll see but um it definitely will take more people yeah super exciting always fun again to be in that role where you're adding services and adding people mm -hmm. and yeah trying to trying to roll and think of new ways to grow and add on to yeah yep. where are we going to put that person and and, and insert yep. the sigh here of oh remember when we came up with these <clears throat> ideas and we implemented this yep and so, where from where yep. we started so andrea you do uh, some charity work that you're passionate about tell us i, I saw that yes. uh, tell us about that i do security work no no no, no uh, charity. charity 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 work. Oh, charity the yes. cross benefit security? foundation <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I do a little, I do a little bit of that. Um, we started, uh, a foundation a few years ago. Um, it's actually on hiatus right now because of, uh, COVID killed, uh, our ability to do what we do, which was basically, um, taking a young adults, high school and okay. college students, um, mm -hmm. training them to be good caregivers and then providing childcare services to, um, people with uh, struggling with financial resources. Um, and so we did a lot of uh, work in Phoenix that houses women, uh, has probably about 60 apartments. Okay. okay. They all have children. And so these is a two-year program. These women come in off of the street. And so we would come in and tutor and provide childcare services for those women. Interesting. Um, primarily in that area was, were college students. And then we provided a host of after-school program uh, services, providing childcare and tutoring services for um, families that needed that type of care. Childcare, as you probably know, is very expensive. Yep. Yes. Um, it's under-resourced and it's a really challenging for a working poor. So our charity was actually uh, is actually designated as a uh, work, serving the working poor and available for tax credits in Arizona. But like I said, we've been on hiatus. Uh, the other thing that slammed us at the same time with uh, COVID was that our insurance dropped us. They no longer wanted to provide insurance for children, for basically children, our, our primary child care providers after school were oh. high school students, and they didn't want to provide child care for children that were 16 or provide insurance for children that are 16. So mm. we have two areas that we have to struggle, and we are basically, our board is trying to re restructure, reconfigure how we're going to be able to provide these services. We're probably mm -hmm. going to need to partner with facility providers and help provide the funding and just do funding, um, raising and help support similar charities that provide similar child care services mm -hmm. okay. because uh, between the insurance and then all of the COVID restrictions that we have to follow as a child care provider, it just gets so cumbersome and just a, a little crazy. Um, but our charity uh, served over 200 families and wow. the started in 2015. I actually started it with three high school students that were from my church. Uh, we I was their coach 
uh, as a high school uh, coach in the church. And we started the foundation and grew it to serve over 200, 200 families through the, through the course of that time. Very cool. Insurance and lawyers, boo. Not boo on you, Jack. Not, not boo on When COVID hit don't boo and lawyers. Boo. You know, we had, I mean, schools closed. So obviously there's no after school services. Right. Um, the facility that we were serving down in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, it shut its doors, basically could not wow. allow any uh, volunteers in at all to, to help. Mm. They actually have had to do a lot of restructuring themselves uh, since COVID uh, struck them financially as well. And then we got the double blow with the insurance. So I was like, oh, okay, all right. I guess this is a message that we need to reconfigure, restructure. And so that's what, the pro- that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Do you think that the insurance issue was, was COVID driven or? No, I just think because... Um, Insurance companies are so risk adverse. I mean, they're right. insurance mm-hmm. and they don't like to take on risk. But because we're working with with children and then young adults in families, and unfortunately, the culture of the of the world has gotten yeah. uh, to be not so trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so I th- I just think they uh, they determined that it was too risky for them to insure. Mm-hmm. And we we tried multiple insurance companies. We just if we had a facility and had adults working that facility that were hiring 16 and older, that would be a different story. But because they were in individual homes, they weren't going to allow support that. Very interesting. It sounded like a cool, a cool deal. Yeah. I'll just add in my defense on the lawyer comment that I became a lawyer, so I didn't have to hire other lawyers. I see. I went to, I went to night school for three years at University of Miami, they had a had a program. I literally became a lawyer, so I did not have to hire other lawyers <laughs> and deal very with them. Nice. So. I like that. So it worked out well. That's very smart. I like that. So what do you what do you do for fun, Jack? Well, I like uh, down here in Miami. Um, it it like isn't working Adam. on your mother in law's house, so we figured no, that no, out. It, no, exactly. No, <laughs> not that. Um, being out on the water, okay. um, being out out on the beach, any. Uh, you know, outdoor activities. Uh, if anyone ever asks and there's ever a choice outside or inside, it's always outside. For, Is that deep uh, sea fishing or inshore fishing? No, uh, I don't do too much deep sea fishing, but a little bit of fishing here in the in the bay, just general boating. These these days, you know, floating around uh, out in the uh, in the bay. Scuba, snorkel. A, a nice day. Snorkeling mostly. I used to scuba more, but now snorkeling uh, with my group, it's uh, there's not as many scuba people, so we mostly go uh, go snorkeling um, down in the Keys. So we're very close to the Keys. Yep. So you know that's some of the one of the nicest spots that you can uh, you can get to. So spend time down there. And, What's and the best time there. of year to go to the Keys? Do you think? I would say in the um, uh, in the the spring, the late springtime. So um, April, May. You know, yeah, April, May is is nice. You can't go then in the this the weather is too you know on and off when you start getting into July, August. But you know, mm-hmm. September also. You know, okay, very nice. So really, uh, I figured it'd yeah. be too hot in in September. Well, it starts gets a little a little cooler. It starts but, to kind uh, of taper off. 
you know, the it's mostly has to do with the the weather. You know, yeah. the the summertime it, it rains in the afternoon. So and when it rains in the afternoon that makes the water cloudy, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just Murky. not conducive for, for right. diving. So late spring. Yeah, yeah I need to go back. Marsh and I went maybe April last year. March. March something. And it was something. nice. But they were remarking about it being nice, like it was too early to be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably a little a little cool. So after I've been here now for so long, up in Jersey, we would go in the ocean when it was 60-something degrees. Now it has to be a little oh bit warmer. Gosh. So you know, the, the water is still a little cool in, uh, in March. What about you, Andrea? What do you do for fun? Oh, my goodness. Um, a few things. Um, I actually love the beach. And so uh, beach vacations actually went to school in Florida as well. Okay. So I went to Florida Atlantic, Atlantic University. And so our we have a part-time home um, in uh, nor- just a little bit north of Fort Lauderdale. So uh, we like to go there when we actually have time off. I go there more often than my husband does. Um and then hiking, a lot of outdoor activities. Back in the day, I did a lot of horseback riding, but my poor little horse died a few oh, years ago. No. And so I have not replaced her. Um, that'll be, that's a retirement goal. Um, and just hanging with family, uh, very involved in our, in our church. Um, and it seems like every day I'm doing something different, uh, never sitting still. Yeah. The horse, the horse used to be so. When we first moved the office to uh, to Phoenix, it was in one of Andrea's properties, which was uh, uh, a house. But in in the back was a stable and a field, and so the horse actually was a uh, a resident at the yes. <laughs> at the transaction. We had a company horse actually. A company so horse. instead of lunch break, it was a horse riding break. A horse is a that horse. was a that was an old horse. I don't know how old it. it I don't remember exactly how old it was, but it was. It yeah, was she pretty was pretty old. old. I had her since she was born. Um, I owned her mother, and um, when she passed, she was thirty two years old. Oh wow. Oh wow! What what's your favorite place to hike in Arizona? I was, yep, I was gonna. Up in the Prescott area, um, high. It's about sixty. It, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona is at sea level basically. Okay. Uh, you just go an hour and a half north, and you hit the pines. Okay. And so it's about sixty five hundred feet up and higher, and so it's much about thirty degrees difference. And uh, just a different atmosphere, so yep. a lot of a lot of hiking up that in that area. Is that closer than Sedona? Yes, you hit. Well, it's east, north and east of Phoenix, and then Sedona mm-hmm. is probably a little. It's a little further north, and maybe not as far east. Okay. Okay. I remember Josh that and I. Sense. Josh and I had a meeting in phoenix and we took a super early flight actually drove to sedona and hiked and then came back for the meeting oh night. very yeah. cool yeah yeah that was pretty and did you do the pink jeep tour and that was like in february no I we think. just took it we just hiked because oh. we had like you maybe a couple time. hours to yeah. hike yeah we have friends uh, coming out in we were checking a box in uh, november actually from uh fort lauderdale okay and uh one of the things we're going to do is we're going to take them on the pink jeep tour and they're oh yeah like a fleet of pink jeeps and they just drive all through the desert and the canyons at, and they go as close as possible to the edge of the very narrow yes. uh you know uh <laughs> roadways up to the the side up to the top there just to try to uh you know torture the uh the tourists when we went to sedona there was a pink jeep outside of our hotel like that they they had it sitting like up on a rock and advertising the pink jeep so yeah that 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 sounds really cool 
Yeah, I love to hike too. I love, we don't have a lot of it's pretty flat here, mm-hmm. but we got like maybe some, forty-five minutes in either direction. There's yeah. a couple of ridges around the lake that are that are you get some decent maybe eight hundred feet of elevation total. You know, up and yeah. down, up and down. But well, I I jog over the bridge on Key Biscayne. That's you know <laughs> that's your hike. That's about one of the highest points down here in Miami is the uh, is the bridge that goes over to Key Biscayne. So Scan, you like so. you like you're like me. You like to urban hike. I like to. Urban yeah, hike. exactly. Exactly. I'm more of an urban hiker. Uh, I just like to hike and see stuff. So urban hike, I'm fine with that. Long mm-hmm. as I see something. Yeah. Other hike, long as I see something. Yeah, except with urban hikes, you get to see different architecture, and then with nature hikes, it's tree, tree, tree. Different architecture. Bug, you, you can get you can get bit by a, you can get bit by a horse. Bit, bit by a horse fly. Got bit by a f- horse fly for the first time in my life hiking last weekend. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think it was horrible. Not recommended. They um they don't have an anesthet- anesthesia or anas- anesthetic. Whatever. No anesthetic would be no uh, one of those is. Is germs? They don't have either. They just bite you, like a a, a mosquito will try to numb it, try to come in secretive, try to not stay long. A uh, horsefly just bites you, mm-hmm. and yeah, horseflies are horrible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I guess having horses, you probably you probably yes. have you been bit by a horsefly. <laughs> like they're like the size of a tarantula. They're yeah, huge. Yes, I'm sure somebody on this podcast is going to call me a big baby, but it hurt. <laughs> And it bled and it swelled up. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that. I'll be wearing my uh, insect repellent you next time work I hike. Comp case right there. Yeah, yeah there yeah, you go. I, well, I don't there, know. It wasn't your, work related. Your but. Um, badge of honor from hiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bobo. But well, I'll add, I'll add one, I'll add one thing onto that. And one of the um, the things that was exciting about TransactRx joining the Red Sail family and working with Pioneer RX is that. Our business of providing this medical billing service to pharmacies uh, and the other folks in it too, we sort of act like these black boxes out there. And so the pharmacies send claims off into these services, never really know what's going to happen with them until either you get paid or you don't get, get paid. And we knew that we were acting like that, but we never had a way to work closer with the, the pharmacy um, systems as Transact RX, and I think the bigger mm-hmm. guys just don't have the, you know, uh, the desire at the moment to to make it better uh, for the independent pharmacies. And so, a very exciting thing is being able to work closely with you all and with the systems folks and making this much more transparent. There's so much more information available about yep. the reimbursement and the claims that the pharmacies don't get to see today that we have but don't have a way to get to the pharmacies unless they use some other, you know, our website, some other web portal, which we know is not conducive to the, mm-hmm. to the workflow. So over the next, you know, six months to a year, working closely with, with you all and our technology team and yours and being able to make this a much better experience for the pharmacies. And so they Absolutely. say good things about medical billing instead of complaining about the medical billing and mm-hmm. about not getting paid and not knowing what you're going to get paid. I think that one of the the best things that's going to come out of this is now we can make the, the medical billing service work almost as good as the real-time pharmacy service, but we can provide a lot more information a lot and more seamless make this mm-hmm. and make this much more seamless for the um, for the pharmacies. And so I think that's going to make the really 
be a, a differentiator and make what we can do together for this service mm -hmm. just much, much better for uh, for our customers. Yeah, and the, the technology is nimble. I, I think everybody, the other players out there just have really old technology. Not that they yes. don't probably want to. It's just so hard. The, the want has to have a lot of want to overcome these big hills of this old technology. And, and you guys did cutting edge technology, bleeding edge technology from the beginning. So, so today that technology right. is still very current and very flexible. Um, it should be noted though, that, um, just cause you're part of red cell, you're part of a group that's going to sell services to everybody. We've you, you provide yes. services to pharmacies today that aren't on a red cell platform. And so, yes, um, irrespective of what pharmacy system you might have, or whether you have a proprietary pharmacy system, um, transact in their really modern technology, uh, could be a, an option for you. So, uh, and, and my guess is, as we, as we grow here, we'll start seeing you guys more and you focus uh, some on pharmacy. Uh, we'll start yes. seeing you guys at trade shows and, and things like that. And, um, so also, uh, besides, future trade shows if they wanted to learn more about transact rx um to go to the website right www.transactrx.com and i'll just add that we do weekly live uh demos um and we always ask uh who the audience is when they when they attend so if, if you're a pharmacy and you want to participate on those uh so we can focus uh as part of that demo specifically what your workflow looks like mm -hmm. one of the challenges that we have always had in working with uh, pharmacy software systems is that the pharmacy would say, can you give me a, a demo of how it works on my system? Well, the, we can't because we're not part of your system. So now that we're part of the Red Cell family, we have that window that we can right. actually demonstrate what it looks like from your uh, point, point of sale, point uh, pharmacy management system mm -hmm. and, and show you what that beginning to end workflow looks like. Nice. We can't do that still with other pharmacy systems, but if you are from another pharmacy system, we can still walk you through the process of, of what it takes to, to implement and to process a claim. Mm -hmm. And the other differentiating factor, I know Jack uh, alluded to this or talked about it a little bit, is that we do every day, we look to see what claims have processed, what claims have rejected, if we see a pharmacy having a similar constant challenge, maybe they're underbilling, happens okay. a lot, um, or they are uh, submitting for last year's flu when it obviously can't use last year's flu for right. reimbursement, we will contact that pharmacy and help them correct that before nice. it becomes a huge issue for them. Um, and that is something that none of our competitors competitors do. They may may or may not get a very complicated report back, mm -hmm. uh, but we have a very hands-on approach in managing really uh, almost every single claim individually to make sure that it's it's going through correctly and being paid. Nice. Well, well yep. such a it's such a great opportunity. Um, it's a struggle for pharmacy. It's where they need to be going. This is a right. place they need to be Absolutely. going to. The, uh, so much money being left on the table by not pursuing certainly the vaccines more and broader. And um, certainly, what a great opportunity for Transact RX and just a super exciting times uh, for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we're getting close in our time. Marcia, did you have anything else to? Uh, only thing I have left to add is um, other information that that can be found about Transact RX is also on our website. That points to y'all's website as well. And I think, um, well, this was a fun little, well, did it? 
And uh, absolutely, we look yeah. forward to seeing a lot more of you guys and continue to work together to build amazing stuff. And again, and, welcome to the Red Cell family. We, yeah. we look forward to, you know, watching, helping your product grow and working together and all growing into one big happy family. Kumbaya. Okay. All right. <laughs> Y'all have a nice day. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. Have a Bye. Thank right. you. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.